The way that you showed up to that workout was that you were already drained from whatever is going, stressors that are going on in your life. And of course that affected you. And maybe it felt like you were trying and there was nothing there. Like I went to try and then there was nothing because you're not a robot. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 98 of the Mad Happy Podcast. I'm Payman. And I'm Mason. And as you guys might know, we have an amazing collaboration coming out with Lululemon early next week. And in anticipation of that, we actually recorded a really cool episode that I'll let Mason share more. Yeah, we had an awesome conversation and episode with Colleen Quigley, uh, who's a Lululemon global ambassador and Olympic athlete. Uh, It was super awesome to hear her story and about her experience with running and the triathlons that she's doing now, I think always with these uh, Olympians and and really high level athletes that we have on the show. There's always such a close tie to their mental health and mental hurdles that they have to overcome. And, you know, they're sort of being a shot clock on your career as, you know, your body is really your your tool that propels you in your career. You know, I think and there's always so many amazing mental health lessons um, and metaphors and just like ways that you have to deal with getting injured or not making the team or, or all these sorts of things that I feel like really have some really, really valuable life lessons and mental health stories. And I think, you know, this a conversation with Colleen was nothing short of that. She came by the office. It was so nice to really meet her um, and get to learn more about her story in person. You know, those uh, conversations always uh, are really great in terms of getting to know each other. Um, and yeah, it was a really great conversation and super excited for our partnership with Lulu uh, next week. Definitely one that we've been working on for quite a while. Uh, so enjoy the episode. Uh, make sure to check out that drop next week. Mace, do you want to let them know what the first 10 people that email me get? Wow. The payments never asked me to do this before, so I feel so honored. But the first 10 people to email p at madhappy.com with a screenshot of a five-star review, you will get something so dope that payments never even announced what it is on the show, but you will get something very special. It changes every week. It changes why. every week, I guess. Uh, some mad happy swag, old, new, unreleased, whatever it is. Uh, we really appreciate that. Everyone who's done it so far, and we're always looking out for him. So don't forget to hit up P at madhappy.com. On that note, the Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism. Enjoy the show with Mason and Colleen. What's like the the calendar for your sport? Like when is the off season? When is the season? Yeah, so we have track has an indoor track season that's happening now. Um, it just kicked off like last weekend. And that goes pretty much like January, February, maybe first week of March, first, second week of March usually. Um, and then we have kind of a little break. And then like April, May, June, July, August, September, like middle of September is like the bulk of the track outdoor track season and then we take a break in the fall um like October November December pretty much um nothing going on there are like plenty of uh road races that's when like October and November you see like a lot of like marathons and stuff you get off the track you but yeah I'm not yeah. I'm not doing that no no, no that's, not, <laughs> that's their time to shine I'm we're just track people are just like putting in base miles then yeah um, you know, having some donuts, hanging out, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just running some marathons, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Like runner, there's like two different. I guess it's similar to like in triathlon, you have like the Olympic distance triathlons, and then you have like the Ironman mm-hmm. triathlons. And people who are going doing the, like, the Olympic distance like sprint triathlons are not doing Ironmans yeah. and like half Ironmans. Um, so track people, if you run like for me, I run the steeplechase on the track. It's 3,000 meters, just short of two miles. Yeah. I, like, am not doing marathons. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people don't understand that. Like, run, like they just think, like, yeah. if you're a runner, like, oh, what's your best marathon time? No. I'm like, I've yeah. never run a marathon. <laughs> I didn't even know, like, what the steeplechase was yeah, earlier most people don't. this week. So I, I Googled it, and just a couple of days ago, I watched, like, the, the gold medal of 2020, I think it was, like, mm-hmm. the, the men's final. Oh, cool. Um, and it was sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think? <laughs> I thought it was like super interesting, like hearing that they said like uh, Kenya had won gold in the last like nine. And then there were like these two Ethiopian dudes and like this one, a Moroccan dude, like just beat them at the end, which was, which was really cool. I didn't really like understand like the water element, I guess. Like what is, 
What is the point of that, I guess, in the steeplechase? What is the point of the water pit? Like, I'm just um, like, why? Just to, like, create more chaos, I yeah, think. Yeah, like, probably. they're just, like, splashing <laughs> on the thing. It is kind of ridiculous. Like, when I explain it to people, when they've never seen it before, and I try and explain it to them, I try and give them a visual, like, yeah, it's, like, you know, like, horse barriers. They're, like, black and white stripe. They're, like... You know, they're wooden barriers. We call them barriers, right. usually not hurdles, because hurdles give you the image of, like, the sprinter hurdles. Like, mm-hmm. we do, like, the 100 like hundred high hurdles. Yeah. You know, you hit one of them, which they do often. Yeah. It flops over, yeah. you know, and you, the runner, continues yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> that does not happen in you're the steeplechase. Yeah. No, no, no. You hit the hurdle, you're going down, yeah. not the hurdle. Yeah, I think um, it's also interesting how it's, it's very like a, different. It's a communal, a barrier. Like everyone has yes, to jump everyone's the same going one. Over the it's same not barrier. Like we That's have our the other thing. Hurdles. You don't have yeah. your own lane yeah. in the steeplechase. Like yeah. if you do the 400 hurdles and you're in lane four, you're in lane four the whole time. You count your steps between hurdles yeah. and the 400 hurdles. Um, and you always know like which leg is going to come up um, and to be like your lead leg over the hurdle. In the steeplechase, you're just like going around and people are to your right and to your left and in front of you. And you often like can't really see. I mean, you know where the hurdles are. Yeah. But you can't really see it until like the person in front of you jumps and then you jump because yeah, they like, jump. It was kind of like organized <laughs> chaos like, yeah. when I was watching it, which, which I think is cool because there's a it's lot fun. more like strategy and, and things like that involved, it seemed to me, than just yeah. like you stay in your lane. It's like, it, like right. it's almost more like NASCAR. Right. I mean, you compare that to something like the 10K, yeah. where it's like, you know, 30 minutes of like just running just in circles, in. like yeah. <laughs> just going yeah. left is a hard, um, it's not kind of a hard, no offense to anyone who runs the 10K, but it's a hard event to sell to like the general public totally. because, you know, it takes a long time. Like the 100 is just, you know, it's fast, it's 10 seconds. It's as like, exciting as it gets. Yeah. Right. But like the 10K is like everyone's like going to go get their hot dogs and like come back in half an hour and yeah. watch the, the last 800 or something. Yeah. But there's always chaos in the steeple, especially if you, like, just stand by the water pit. You know, you're bound to get some kind of drama yeah. happening. So that's kind of, for me, I think that's, like, kind of the part of the appeal yeah. of the event. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm super interested. I mean, just how you got into running and dedicated your life to that, especially, but would love to kind of start at the beginning of, like, your story and, and your journey. I know you're from uh, St. Louis, right? Yeah, St. Louis, Missouri. What, uh, what was that experience like for you growing up there? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't live there now and shout out to my St. Louis people, but I don't see myself ever living there. Um, did you spend like your, your whole childhood, like like, up until 18 there? Yeah. Yeah. My parents actually still live in the same house I grew up in. So I go home for Christmas and, um, stay in my old bedroom. It's lime green on the third floor. That's special. Yeah. It's really (laughs) cute. Um, I mean, I, yeah, don't get me wrong. I loved growing up there and definitely, like, I always love meeting other people who are from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Like, when now I'm on the West Coast all the time, and it's fun to meet people from the Midwest. And, like, you know, just there's something about that that always feels like a connection. And I always say, like, Midwestern people are just, like, good people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I just – I go home. I'm there for a couple of weeks, and I'm like, I miss the beach. I miss the mountains. Yeah. I miss my farm-to-table food. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just you like – need that. I can't camp here yeah my whole family's uh from michigan so i could definitely relate to you on the the midwestern values i always say like i i grew up in la but with midwestern values which i'm really like grateful for uh and and i'm the same way i love like going back there and seeing family and and sort of what that does for my yes well-being and and things like that but then after like you know, four or five days, you're over here just like <laughs> you're four or five looking days, at, yeah. Looking at your watch, like yeah, definitely to, a solid week. Back. I'm like, okay, like, what do we do it now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hit your couple like favorite restaurants as a kid. You go see those two friends who still live at home, and then you're like, exactly, yeah. And a lot of my friends actually don't live there anymore either. So that's tough because yeah, I used to be able to like hit up a few people when I go home, but like. Um, I have a good friend who's in a couple friends were in Chicago. It's like the closest to St. Louis, but yeah. I mean, people are kind of spread out now. So yeah, do you have uh, you have siblings? Yeah, I have an older brother and a younger sister, so I'm in the middle. Nice. Um, were I, they athletes as well? Everyone wants to know that my so I come from a family of runners, um, mm. starting with my parents. So like my uh, family, like outside of my parents, um, definitely not like no one's in athletics, and I think my whole family just like loves that. 
you know, that I get to, I get to be the the token Olympian in our family. The golden child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah some <laughs> might say. Uh, no, but so both my parents ran marathons. My dad actually played um, baseball in college for a little bit Sick. and then got into running and started doing marathons. And that's how my parents met was like at a running group in St. So Louis. So romantic. Adorable. <laughs> and then so they both had the goal of making it qualifying for the Olympic trials. So mm. for the marathon and actually for track events too, you have to like run a time um, that earns you a spot to go to the Olympic trials at which, you know, you get a chance to qualify for the Olympics. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a two-step process. Um, and both of them had the goal of just going to the trials. They just right. wanted to be, you know, at the trials with knowing they had no shot of going to the Olympics, yeah, but, but just to be in, it's a cool you know, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but they both, you know, fell short of that goal for different reasons. My mom actually got pretty close, but then she got pregnant. Um, so, so that kind of sidetracked things. Um, and then my older brother went to college um, at uh, Mizzou, University of Missouri, mm-hmm. and uh, set a couple of school records and steeplechase and the 5K. And then he actually went pro for a little while, moved to Eugene, which is like track town USA, Eugene, Oregon. Totally, yeah. Um, was living that pro life for a couple of years, but again, just like kept getting injured. Um, he was injured a lot in college and got injured a few times um, post-collegiately too. And so um, he also had the goal of going to the Olympic trials and track in the 5K, but got injured right before the 2016 trials. Mm. Um, so we were hoping to both be there together, which yeah. would have been really Super cool. Special. Yeah, we were both at NCAAs one year together, which was cool. But anyway, so he got injured and, and missed the trials. So actually, when I went to the trials in 2016, that was like a goal realized that three people, you know, right. other people in my family had yeah, and, like and never got through, to achieve. Yeah. generations, yeah. Yeah, so and then I finally, you know, I got, I got to go and they were all there, of course, um, at Hayward. And then I made the team, which was like even, you know, even cooler. And everyone was like super excited. Yeah, it's incredible. So did you like sort of just grow up in a running environment and it just felt naturally like what you wanted to do or, or was it like forced upon you in any way or like how did you sort of fall in love with it on your own? Yes and no. Like running was definitely in our family, you know, like it was a part of. Would you do like family runs or like what was it? So my so my parents. So I was homeschooled until um, high school, actually. Fun fact. Wow. Um, Yep. Both my parents are educators. um, And so my mom was teaching at a grade school when she had my brother and then. She was kind of just like, this is silly. Someone else is teaching my kid. I can do and this better than them. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm teaching someone else's kid. Like, why don't I just do it myself? And so she took him out of school, and then I followed suit when I came along, and so did my sister. Did you like that, or, like, how was that experience I you? loved it, yeah. I mean, St. Louis is kind of weird. We have a big, it's called the St. Louis Homeschool Network. There's a big network of people who do this, oh, and wow. so they all kind of, like, work together and collaborate on stuff. So it's, it's like, surprisingly common it's in that area? It's kind of an organized thing, yeah. And oh. so we would, like, go to different people's houses for, like, different things on different days. Like, like one of my best friends was – her mom was, like, a professional artist. She, would like, actually was, like, selling her art and stuff. Sick. So she would have art class at her house. Amazing. And both my parents are uh, more of, like, a math specialty, so we had math club at our house. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we were doing that and my parents, um, also did the grade school. They were the coaches for like the grade school track club. Mm -hmm. Um, and they did it through like the local, uh, grade school that was by us. Mm. So in that way too, running was kind of, I mean, maybe forced upon me is a little bit harsh, but like, I didn't really like running. Yeah. (laughs) And, but they were the, most kids don't. (laughs) (laughs) So I was playing soccer and I was dancing and that's what I really love to do. But my parents were the coaches, and my brother liked running, and so I kind of just did it, you know, like, whatever. But I remember, like, kind of hating it. I did the standing long jump, Mm. um, and then the, I think it was, like, the 50 or the 100 dash or something like that. Um, But I just remember, like, hating those Saturdays at the track where it was, like, we were there all friggin' day, and it was hot. It's St. Louis, Missouri in the summer. It's hot. And you're just like, you know, we couldn't like come for my event and leave because my parents are the coaches. So you're there the whole time. And yeah. you're just like, this is brutal. Your whole Saturday just. Whole Saturday. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't a great introduction, I would say, to running. But yeah. I remember like my mom would like go do like a road race on the weekend or something. And I would go with her. And I remember like not being into it. Like I remember getting embarrassed by like her doing like leg swings and like warm ups. I'd just be like, oh, my God, mom, like. 
you know, like, like it was embarrassing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's funny because I hear a lot of my like Team USA fellow teammates talk about like, you know, their families were also into running. But for them, it was like, I, you know, like they were also in very into mm-hmm. it because of that. And I was like, no, no, that was not, that yeah. was not my experience. What was the moment for you, I guess, where the, the switch? If, obviously, flipped. it finally yeah. did. I do like running. Like, I still hate it. No. <laughs> I do like running now. Um, I don't know. I guess. So what happened was so I was playing soccer and I was dancing. Um, and when I got to high school, the so I did go to like normal high school. Mm-hmm. Not that weird. Was that was that like a weird <laughs> transition, or was it with most of the same kids who you had like kind been, of been doing the homeschool with? So my journey is kind of funny. I I homeschooled until high school. I went to an all girls Catholic high school, mm. and then I went to Florida State University. <laughs> Just like unleashed, Just, yeah, yeah, quite the transition. Um, high school was good. I think I liked it for like two years with the all girl thing, and mm-hmm. then it just kind of got like a little too drama and could have skipped like, yeah, I could have skipped the last two years. Yeah. Um, But I went out for the cross country team my freshman year um, in the fall under the guise of like staying in shape for soccer because soccer was going to be in the spring in Missouri Mm. for girls. And so that's how they got you. huh? Yeah. And so I was like, and my dad was coaching at the all boys school where my brother went. Um, so he wasn't like the coach or anything, but I was like, oh, I'll just do this. Yeah. And turned out like the cross country girls were freaking awesome and I had so much fun and I, they were so welcoming. And I just mm-hmm. remember the seniors that year being like so supportive and like looking back, it was probably clear that I had some talent and I didn't know that, but it was probably clear to everyone like, oh, like this, she's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And But I had no idea. I just thought like everyone was super nice and it was fun. And I was, I mean, I was like, I wasn't bad. I was like, oh, okay. I, can, I was like one of the two good freshmen yeah. that year. And so I got kind of, I think that's how I got kind of hooked. I think that's so interesting. Like your story of kind of falling in love with it actually has to do with like other people and your yeah. teammates where like I think most people including myself really think of running as like a really individual sport uh which I guess it, totally it, it's not as people think totally yeah and for that's kind of a big I've noticed more recently actually because I have been on a lot of teams and right now I don't have a team mm-hmm. and I've noticed more recently how like I've always known this but really has driven home to me that running is not an individual sport for me. Mm. I know some professional runners who are like, do it more like off of the woods. They could be living in a log cabin in the woods and speak to no one and be so happy. Like that's great for you. That is not my story at all. Like running for me is much more about community and like teams. And so, yeah, being part of that team, I don't think that I ever really felt that before being part of the team freshman mm-hmm. year. And then I was like, oh, like cross country. And like we were all running. So cross country is a little different than track because you all um, do the same race. You actually do like, you know, line up right. together and right. run run it together. Whereas track, you know, you could maybe you have one other person from your team in the same event as you, but you could line up you know, as the only person from your school in that race. Yeah. And so it feels much more alone. Whereas cross country, there's usually seven like of herd, you. Yeah. yeah. And so it feels like you're t- doing it together. You do the team huddle, you get your hands in the middle, you're a little cheer and you like mm-hmm. break. <laughs> it's like yeah. a team sport. Totally. And so it felt, yeah, I think that was probably a big part of like why I was like, okay, maybe this is kind of fun. And then the spring, I, uh, I, to be honest, I just wussied out of going to the, uh, tri- uh team trials for soccer i just was too scared because the like team that. was really good yeah and track is no cut and so i was just like oh, i'm gonna do that freshman year yeah wow never even did soccer how happy were your parents <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> yeah my parents actually i'm proud of them they never forced running they upon like, me yeah i think looking back i was like wow how did like you guys did a really good job of keeping it chill yeah. because they probably knew and my dad will admit because he was ended up being my coach in high school when i started when i like went into track and cross country he was like all right i'm gonna he actually switched over from the boys school and, and came and coached at my school because mm-hmm. we didn't have good coaches yeah so i think looking back he knew that i was good um but he never yeah made me feel like you you could be really good at this you have to quit the dancing thing and do yeah. the running you yeah. know because he could tell i think that i love dancing it was you know that made me really happy and so he didn't 
I think he was smart enough to know that if you pushed the writing on me, that that was never going to work. Yeah. How far into high school did you like make that decision to go all in? I yeah, I pretty much quit dancing like that spring of my freshman year because I couldn't. I just couldn't mm. do it all. Like I would be, you know, getting up, going to school, then going straight to track practice, and then going to dance after that, and then trying to do homework, and then like eating dinner in the car between the two. Like it yeah. just that was never going to, you know. Yeah not in high school it's never gonna fly yeah so I had to give up the dance pretty quick and I also am kind of confused you know thinking back to that time I don't remember like making that decision to stop dancing mm-hmm. I just remember loving dancing and we I mean I was part of like a traveling dance group we went to like Disney World and performed and like all around like St. Louis and Missouri it's like dope. it was so fun yeah and I was like why didn't I stop doing that <laughs> like I really must have like I don't know yeah I feel like so many kids especially for me like in high school you're just trying to like fit in and yeah. like you don't know what to do it's like so hard to kind of like work through the mess of like should I do this because all the kids are doing it or because it's like what I like to do and yeah. I feel like your story is such a great reminder of just like without even being so intentional just like follow what makes you feel good and like who you like to be around and then that'll kind of like you'll end up where you're supposed to be as opposed to like Mm-hmm. listening to what my parents say or doing what the cool kids are doing and, and all those things. And maybe it's because you were homeschooled, so you had less of, like, an influence of, like, other peer groups or social mm-hmm. things or things like that. Um, but I feel like yeah. that's a great just, like, rule of thumb. So true. What did you end up? What was your thing where you felt like a community? I was, like, I always kind of struggled. Like, school was never uh, my strong suit. I have, like, a twin brother who was, like, way smarter and, like, went through puberty before me. So it was, mm. like, way more athletic. So, like, it was a just, jerk. yeah, it was, like... I like basketball and tennis a lot were like the two sports uh, that I played, but I was just like kind of just started becoming like a bit more of like a fuck boy and like not really like <laughs> being good in school and like was in bad classes and like things like that. So I needed to like get myself on track in like another way. But I was like largely influenced by like, you know, kids who were doing things that weren't great, like started mm. like smoking pot or like drinking or like just doing things that I think would like make me feel like I was more like a part of a group and like a, negative way because I was yeah. like too scared to really talk about like I don't like school or I feel dumb or like a lot of yeah. these like mental health issues that I didn't really get to like focus on until yeah. like my adult life you know they probably felt like that too so yeah exactly I think that's now like what what I think about now like when I talk to kids and even like on this show it's just like everyone is thinking about that and like experiencing it and like kids have no idea how to like cope with these things so it's just like whatever feels good or whatever is the closest most available and like all these Mm -hmm. sorts of things so I think that's why we're so like passionate about just having the conversation because I think whether you grew up in St. Louis running cross country or like in LA doing whatever the hell I was doing (laughs) it's like you're all searching for like the same yeah thing totally and I did find that a bit in cross country and track like on the team that was definitely a place where I felt like I belonged and like people you know shared the same value as me but then kind of like when I said um by junior and senior year I was like kind of over the whole thing Mm. I think that was because I got better at running and I was making sacrifices in my life for running the other people on my team were they were not doing that like Mm. sacrifices socially or you know missing things um or in the winter, like, I would show up after school for the conditioning, like, winter conditioning camp that my dad would put on. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's winter in Missouri. It was a gross out. And I would put my long sleeve whatever's on it, my t- running tights, and I'd be, like, going to go out there and run. Like, it's 3.30 in the afternoon and then 25 degrees, and I'm, like, going to go do my run. And I remember people being, like, you're going to go run out there right now? You know, and I'm – and I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go do my run. Right. And there'd be like maybe one other person or two that would show up for like the winter conditioning yeah. all winter. But it was like I knew that I had to do that if I wanted to achieve my goal of becoming the state champion yeah. in track that spring. Like I knew that the spring track season meant I had to work through the winter. Um, and so I was like willing at that point to like make those sacrifices and do it. 
but I wasn't really, there was not really, you know, a group of people who were willing to do that with me. Yeah. And so I'm, I found, I felt less like that sense of community. And I didn't really hang out with those people outside of practice. Like we would practice when we'd be on the same team, but like on the weekends, I wasn't hanging out with them. Yeah. And so then I also felt like, okay, I'm like kind of in this group, but not really like I was kind of floating yeah. and then it wasn't really until I got to college um, at Florida State then I was like okay like all these people give a shit about running the, to the same extent or more so yeah. than I do and they yeah. have already they've made all the same sacrifices like made all the same choices to be able to they've achieved more than I have like okay cool and then we were like hang out outside of practice yeah. and like we actually you, gotta you know find, find the like-minded up people. Yeah, yeah but it took I definitely did not really find that in high school it was not until college yeah was there like a moment where you maybe had like your first sort of mental health experience or like we're feeling a bit more isolated feeling judgment from your teammates in high school like start resenting them where you kind of had to like do some introspection and be like you know this is a goal that I want these are the lifestyle choices and sacrifices that I have to make? Like, how did you sort of yeah. navigate that as just like a teenager? Totally. Well, it's so interesting because like now I love, I talk to like a lot of high school and college kids just like as part of my, you know, job, I guess. Yeah. And so kids ask me questions all the time. Like I usually, I like to leave the conversations really like open-ended to like, you know, maybe I'll talk about my journey or give some like main background information and then just leave it up to them. Like, what do you guys care about? Like mm-hmm. I could sit here and talk to you for 30 minutes about like nutrition and you don't give like shit about right. that. Like, <laughs> never gonna, like it's just in one ear out the right. other. Yeah. So like, what do you care about? So I usually try and keep it really open-ended and just so that, like, they don't feel like I'm just like preaching to them. Yeah. Like that. I want it to feel like what a conversation. What do you find most of the time that they, that they do care about? They want to know about your mental health. Yeah. They want to know about, what do you do in a race when negative thoughts come in? What do you do if you're not hitting times that you used to last year? Or what if mm. you used to be the best person on your team, but now you're not anymore? Like, they ask me all these things, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, can we just talk about, like, how much pasta you yeah. should eat or something? <laughs> um, but it's so, amazing, it's so cool. Yeah. And it blows my mind because that is never something that I would have asked if I had the chance to talk to a professional athlete when I was in high school. Like I mm-hmm. that wasn't, I just feel like it wasn't something that we talked about um, or that I would have been comfortable, you know, like talking to someone who I felt like, okay, this person, I have this like, one shot to ask them something. You can ask them anything. I was not going to ask them about, I was going to ask them about like their favorite workout or something like, I don't know. And so I think it really shows like how far we've come in like being open about those types of things. Totally. So I think all that to say is like when I was in high school, I don't I wasn't dealing with any of that because I just didn't really know how to. I, I and I didn't I maybe I thought that was the only one that felt like that, which is like clearly not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I was I remember like feeling like, you know, this isn't great or I'm not having a ton of fun because of you know this or that um but I you know I wasn't really I wasn't taking any steps to mitigate that situation at all and then I think it kind of fixed itself for a while in college but then you know like things that you feel maybe when you're not in the best situation can kind of be like okay yeah you can kind of forget about it for a little while. It's always there. Yeah. And so then eventually, you know, you're going to have to, yeah, well, you I guess you don't like, have to deal with it, but eventually. You can only suppress something for, exactly. uh, for so long. Yeah. yeah. I love how like, you know, mental strength is like such a big part of running and like sports in general is just like mental toughness. Was there a moment in your career where like maybe it was a coach who talked to you about it or like when did you start to pay attention to your mind in addition yeah. to like the physical training and stuff that yeah. you were doing? Yeah, that's something kids ask me about, too. Like, they want to know how to get mentally stronger. And I remember that I used to think, it's kind of embarrassing, I used to, like, give no credit to the way that I showed up to practice mentally. Like, I thought if I had a bad workout or a bad race, the only explanation could have been a physical one. Something happened to me physically, you know, whether, oh, I was on my period or I was feeling sick or you know, some a million right. different things Something could happen age, to whatever. you physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I never, like, allowed 
the thought of, oh, like you've been really stressed out lately, you know, whether it was like something at school or, you know, something going on with your family. And so the way that you showed up to that workout was that you were already drained from whatever is going stressors that are going on in your life. And of course that affected you when you went to like go dig deep and, yeah. you know, push the ex- the last mile of that race. You were just like, F it, I'm too tired, you yeah. know, and you'd, and maybe it felt like you were trying and there was nothing there. Like I went to try and then there was nothing. And it was like, of course, because <laughs> you're not a robot. Um, it almost felt like a cop out, I think, to be like, oh, like an excuse. And now I realize like, okay, if I'm like, you know, moving to a new house and then, you know, three days later I have a shitty workout, like maybe I'm, it's not because I'm out of shape. It's because I spent the last three days like lifting boxes and ordering furniture and yeah. and just realizing how many, like that we are not robots and how many things from our lives that we bring to that workout or whatever whatever it is like a presentation at work or you know you like you bring everything with you you can't leave uh, you know talk about that like leaving it at the door but you just like you can't and so you have to realize yeah, like it's inevitable to, yeah to like there the are factors that go into this but I think that's also like why um when you have a great race or like a great workout and it all kind of comes together that's why it's, like, so special because you know, like, how many things had to go right in order for you to, like, PR that day. Mm-hmm. And so you can be like, wow, like, that was – and that's why you don't PR all the time yeah. because, yeah. you know, it is, like, it takes a lot of – it's, like, the work, all, like, the mental work and the physical work. And then to be in the right mindset and to have the right support system and the right coach and the right weather and, like, all the things come in the, on that day. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, I haven't PR'd and – months or something and it's like well you know like that's normal yeah i feel like the like the stigma of mental health even has more like of a harder time in sports because there's so much narrative around like you know don't let your opponent get in your head or like you have to be really strong like even just the word toughness like i think that too often people think that means no vulnerability or like no opening up which is like really the opposite like if Mm. if you really think about it like it does really take courage to be vulnerable and express yourself like to me that's what real toughness is but I feel like for these these kids especially as I'm sure that you've experienced like it it, how do you even like express that you might be having an off day or feeling stressed it's like that would make it seem like you were weak on like Mm -hmm. on the track or something like that yeah I've actually dealt with that a lot because I've gotten a lot of injuries um, and mm. that's definitely a topic where athletes I've noticed try to like, no, 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 everything's good. Like they don't want to show an injury yeah. because it's, it's, you know, shows like a weakness. Yeah. It um, seems like so, so silly. When, it does like, seem silly to like yeah. say it, but when you're in that place, you feel that you're just like, you feel vulnerable. You're like, I don't know how long this is going to take to heal and then how long it's going to take me to get back into shape again. And then when I stand on the starting line, my opponents will know that I missed six weeks of training because I had that stress fracture. And so they're going to, you know, think that they have an edge on me or whatever. Um, And so when I first started, like, get my first couple injuries, I was definitely, like, I would keep it on on wraps and kind of I would be like posting things like posting old footage of me running just acting like, like I was yeah. Yeah, exactly just like they'll never know they will and it, and it felt like a protective mechanism like I have to protect myself because mm. I, I don't want to you know I don't want anyone to see me vulnerable because then when I get on the starting line I don't want them to know there's any chinks in the armor yeah um but then I got injured enough that I couldn't really do that anymore. And but I also just like got so sick of it of like the game of pretending like everything's fine when you're it's lying not. to yourself. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. And like I think anyone who's ever done anything that felt inauthentic to them knows like it doesn't make you feel good. Mm-hmm. You feel gross. You just feel like like you're lying. And you know these people who are like on you know on social media who I imagine to be cheering for me. Maybe not all of them are, but <laughs> I don't want to like be lying to them that like, you know, everything's good. And, and then, you know, then I have to come out later yeah, and be like, like, I'm injured. And they're like, you lied. <laughs> it's like, like a painting a false picture. Yeah. yeah. And so what I started doing, I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna, you know, I remember it was like 20, I think that was 2019. And I had this injury. I was in Phoenix seeing a, a, a specialist 
And people, I should have been at altitude training. And so that was the first tip off. People were like, why are you not at altitude with your team? You're in Phoenix. And I was like, you know, everything's fine. <laughs> and then I was finally like, you know, I can't, whatever. And so I just posted like a thing of me at the pool being like, I'm hurt again. Like, whatever, you know, this sucks, but this is what it is. Did that feel good? Yeah, it felt very like I was like, like got it out. You know, totally. it was like a therapy session. And so many people responded to that, either saying, I'm injured too, or that happened to me two months before Boston and it was so scary, but you know, ended up being fine. Or like so many people it was so relatable. Yeah. And there's so many people responded to it like positively that I was like, oh. And then I was like, whoa, this might actually help people. Like I could help people. And then I was like, like it's better. Oh, yeah. 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 Then I was like, that's actually super cool. I could use this sucks and it doesn't make it suck any less, but at least I could use it to help people. And like that actually, you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So I've taken that approach ever since. And, and then as far as like the competitors know, you know, whatever, there's chinks in my armor. I kind of was just like, whatever. Everyone has chinks in their armor. You know about mine and you think I don't know about yours, but I know that it, this build up to this race was not perfect for you either. Like, yeah. And it almost felt like um, because I was so open about it that it made me stronger mm-hmm. um, rather than I was like, you, I know that it, not everything is perfect for you, but you act like it is. So for me, it was like, that makes you weaker. Yeah. It's you like know? You, you have nothing to lose. That, yeah. That's what I mean about like vulnerability. Yeah. Being an act of courage, really. And and I love what you were saying about those days where you PR, like those moments where you a PR, because I feel like whether you're a professional athlete or not, like we have to be looking at the whole picture of our lives. If like, if I had a great day, let me think about everything that happened that day, everything that happened the day before, what was I doing the last week? And like, that's how we can help understand of like, what's going to make us feel our best. Everything Mm -hmm. from like, what did I eat? How much sleep did I get? What time was I waking up? Who did I talk to? Who did I not talk to? Maybe like what was work like that week, right? It's like all those things play a huge factor. And too often I feel like we maybe just choose to look at like one thing that we did that was good. That's why we had a good day or one thing that was shitty. And that's why we had a bad day when in reality, like regardless of what your job is or how old you are, like there's so many things in our life that like impact the way we feel that like all, all play a little part in it. Totally. Yeah. So I thought that that was cool to, to think about. And then you mentioned all the injuries that you've had. And I'm curious, like, I just thought about like your body being your career. Like I feel like that's just mm-hmm. such a crazy thing in general. Like how do it you <laughs> it's so weird. Like how do you cope with that? Or like how have you learned to obviously injuries are just a natural part of any sport or game. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. But like has that been weird for like what you eat or work out or how you, yeah. you look at yourself in the mirror? Like I, I imagine it's brought up a lot of shit. Totally. Yeah. Whenever an athlete gets injured, I think it's um it's like I see my body in a lot of ways as like my tool. Like that's, it's the tool that I use to do my job. And when your tool feels broken, feels, you know, like you're unusable, you're like, oh my God, like what do I do? It makes you feel very like, this is the thing that I'm good at and I can't do that right now. And it's, so it becomes very dangerous for anyone who derives the majority of their self-worth from their performance as an athlete or like their identity as an athlete um, or as a champion or, you know, whatever. And then if you take that away mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh shit, like, well, what I, what am I if I don't have that? And that's what I talk to a lot of um, young people about who end up injured and, and find their way to me. And they're like, I'm so lost without run. Like, what do I what do when I, I can't yeah. run? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, this is a great opportunity for you to find other shit that you like to do. Yeah. And I guarantee you there is other right. stuff out there that you are good at and Getting enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah. And you will never find that if you just run all the time because, I mean, you know, I know how it is to be in high school or college and you got school and you have practice and you have PT and more school and homework and papers and tests and you're like and trying to have a social life and maybe spend time with family or do whatever like you just you don't have time for a lot of other stuff yeah and so but if you take that hour an hour and a half or two hours whatever it is a day that you used to spend running you can't do that anymore 
And especially when you have an injury where you can't do anything, you can't swim, cross train, bike, you're not allowed to do anything because you like broke a bone or something. And they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, this is such a great chance for you. You probably don't want to hear this right now, but it's such a great chance for you to like figure out something else that you like to do. Like I love to knit. I like to do really anything like crafty, like any, you know, like I'll do like decoupage. Like I'll mm-hmm. do anything. What is that? That's artistic. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like if you take like if you take paper things, okay, um, it could be like any like clippings or newspaper. Right, right. And you have like really watered down glue, and you like oh yeah, um, like a like, like a collage. Thing. Yeah, like yeah, collage yeah, exactly, yeah. like collage. A fancy word for yes, collage. Yeah. Yes, decoupage. <laughs> I love like collage or like vision boards or like you could I mean you could do anything um you could like start doing creative writing like whatever that something that makes you feel like okay I'm expressing myself in a different way than running and so the injury is kind of like forcing you to do that because otherwise I mean you just probably wouldn't make the effort and you don't have the time or energy to do all the things and so okay we'll take away the running not by choice and like you get to find something else out about yourself yeah I've been watching uh this tennis show on Netflix Breakpoint and like I want to watch that it's really good and like and one of my favorite uh, tennis players like Nick Akirios of the Australian and like you know he has some of the most talent out of anybody in the world but he says in the first episode like I I need my life to be about more than just tennis and like I don't train as much as everyone else does like I need to spend time with my my fiance and my family and like do these things that I like to do outside of tennis and I thought that that was just so like refreshing from someone who's like you know been in slam finals and like all these other things and can have the success but like wants the balance in their life and it's like just so interesting because it's like yeah you probably won't win if you're not playing as much and working as hard as these other guys but like what is really the cost of winning in that way for those other people of like what what do you care about I just thought that that was like fascinating so true yeah it's something actually I struggle with a lot because I feel like that is the narrative that like you have to like just eat sleep run Mm -hmm. you know in order to like be an Olympic medalist or go to the Olympics like Like, you want to win you have to give up everything and just like be a monk and just eat sleep run and you know and anytime you're not running, you're resting and, you know, and that is just not, ooh, that is not me. Um, yeah. And so when I try to live and have tried to do that, um, I was with a team who that was like kind of the coach's motto or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like thought process. And that's kind of what he believed um, because that's probably what works for him or like, like maybe some athletes that he has coached. And it so, yields results, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. And he has, yeah, for sure. The results speak for themselves. Like he has had some, some great success doing that, but it's just like, I really believe that it's not like any athletic endeavor or really probably any endeavor is not a one size fits all like yeah. way. There's not a recipe for success that every person can follow with the same results. Yeah. And so I tried that for a while and it just wasn't working. And I think it was the source of a lot of like my issues with overtraining and injury and I like to do yeah I like to do other stuff I'm my own agent um I've been representing myself for a few years and I really like that yeah but I spent a lot of time like doing like I you know call myself the CEO of my own company (laughs) and so I spend a lot of time like running my business um in my like you know times I'm not training and um and doing like I enjoy doing social media yeah and so you know, that was not always um, encouraged, shall we say, by my kind of old setup. And so... Wasting that, your time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And exhausting yourself. And like my old agent who, uh, when I first went pro, I did have an agent. And my old coach are like really good friends. And it's just like, you know, they were on the same page. And I was like on it. I was reading a different book. <laughs> it's like yeah. not working out. Yeah. But I, yeah, I saw a lot of athletes do it that way where they were just so single-mindedly focused on their sport that's like they just couldn't even think about anything else and like they would date other people who were runners too um and you know I was just like oh my gosh so yeah my fiance is not an athlete I mean if you have a body you're an athlete so he's an athlete but (laughs) not professionally um and he definitely is not in the running world and so I think like having that balance and then having interests outside of running um has been huge for like just keeping me sane and not to like totally the other thing is like having it be so like this thing has to work out otherwise I have nothing you know like that puts really a lot of pressure on yourself too and I feel like 
that you know that I don't really thrive. I do thrive under pressure, but like not, not that kind of pressure. Yeah, I think when you said like our, your value isn't in what you do is like so powerful. It's like even for me having struggled with depression a lot, like I still am trying to learn that like we all just have inherent value of like waking up in the morning, like you are valuable and like yeah. you matter and like you are like supposed to be here and like you're doing great just by showing up and breathing like every yeah. single day. And I think that when you said that like there's not one size fits all. I think that's really the best message of like, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur who dropped out of college, right? There's like no right way to do these things. You got an agent after college because that's what everyone is just supposed to do. It's like really like take the time to get to know yourself, what feels right, what doesn't, like have a support system that you can count on. And like, it's scary to kind of like do it your own way, but it really yeah. like, it, it's the most fulfilling and it'll like, it'll come back to get you even if you don't. It's like, you can't like, fake it like that forever I feel like yeah there's definitely multiple ways to do it something that um I'm doing I'm doing something right now that is very non-traditional shall we say I am basically training like a triathlete but I'll be competing in track um through 2024 but if you look at my training you would think 100,000 percent I'm training for triathlon Mm. Um, what are some of those like no one in the track world is training like that I run swim and bike almost every I do all three sports um, a few times a week and I do two of those sports most days Um, and I have a triathlon coach who understands that while I'm focused on um, I might do a triathlon here or there yeah I don't know when this podcast is going to be aired what I can say about that but (laughs) I might do a triathlon here or there um, but my uh, focus will be on on track through 2024. Yeah. Um, but no one in the no one who is focused on track <laughs> through 2024 like, why are you in a is pool? training yeah. the way that I'm <laughs> training. And so, but it and so in the and run respect when I started working with this coach Greg Mueller, he was like he was like very impressed that I was willing to try. Like it's basically an experiment. Yeah. Because no one has done this. Like. Not to this extent. People cross train for sure, but yeah. this is like, it's like let's see extreme yeah. cross training. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so yeah, he was like, you know, impressed that I was down to try it. And I was honestly like, I'm at the end of my rope here, man. Like I've gotten injured for three years straight. And, you know, I used to make teams. I'm not making teams anymore. Like yeah. we gotta do something yeah. here. I'm willing to like give this a shot. And we've been working together for six months and I haven't had my one of my um goals is to not have to take forced days off Mm. so i take days off but they're intentional like rest days management yeah yes unloading and unloading (laughs) days exactly um but like don't want to take any days off where i'm like um my foot hurts so much i can't run today yeah or my hip hurts so much i can't run today um, because usually if it gets to the point where my foot hurts so much I can't run today, that means I'm probably not running for like a couple of weeks because mm-hmm. my foot's probably like stress reaction yeah. level. Um, so we're not we're not allowing that to happen. So that as one level of success that I haven't had to take any four stays off in six months yeah. um, is pretty cool. And then just to see how um, how much load I'm actually able to put on my body because I think anyone who's been injured understands that like, injury makes you feel very fragile it makes you feel like um oh I have to like be very careful with my body because it might break again Mm -hmm. which is not fun if you're an athlete you do not want to feel fragile you want to feel invincible yeah and so um and I've gotten injured a bunch so the you know the fragility has definitely escalated um but being able to train really hard in three sports and doing like crushing you know three hour bike rides and uh, 3000 yard swims and stuff. I'm like, wow, I feel really strong. I feel really durable. Mm-hmm. And like my body actually can withstand a lot of work and it loves to yeah. like, I don't have to like Sounds fun, be honestly. careful with it. Yeah, yeah. And it's super fun. Every day is different. Like I don't, you know, running is very kind of a monotonous sport. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you do three sports, it like Switch mixes it up. things yeah. up a lot. So yeah, it's been really fun. I'm excited to see like where that goes, but it is definitely like, you know, when you're saying one size, it's not one size fits all. I just decided, F it, this is not working for me. I'm going to do something else, something even else, though yeah. no one else is doing training like this. Um, I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. And so I think my goal, my, the other day I had this realization. I was like, no one is training the way that I'm training right now. I'm like, That's crazy. And I was like, I bet you in 2024, I am not, by the time 2024 comes around, 
I'm not the only one that's training like this because I'm very oh, open about sure. my training. Yeah. And I know, steal your, steal yeah, I know there's all these like girls and, and guys in college who were like dealing with injury. And I think what could happen would be like, okay, like maybe I should try that. Um, and they might do, you know, more intentional swimming and biking even when they're healthy. Cause yeah. like you, a lot of people do that when they're injured. You rehab in the pool, obviously. But then yeah. when they're healthy, you're like done with that. Yeah. And then they're like back to the running yeah. um, and then back to the injuries. And so I'm like, okay, maybe we could like really change. And so for some people, like it's amazing. Some people can run hundred miles a week, week after week, no issues. Mm. Uh, good for you. Yeah. I'm just so happy for yeah. you. <laughs> that is not my body. Everyone's body's different. Yeah. yeah. And so just realizing like that if two people like trained the same way, and this could be like a metaphor for life too, like mental health practices also don't look the same for everyone. Like totally. some people love meditating. Some people hate meditating. Yeah. <laughs> like some people like love to write. Other people, you know, just like can't stand it. So you have to figure out like the training um, that works for you, that gives you, because at the end of the day, it's like you want the result. And does it really matter, you know, how how you get there as long as it's making you happy like yeah. along the way? And that's the other thing. I've never been, I haven't trained with this much like joy in a mm. long time, um, which has been like that's amazing. Yeah, no matter where I go with it, I'm kind of like I'm having a great time. Like so. it's worth like it's worth yeah. it already. And yeah, you're not totally. even like a competing yet. I think exactly. uh, something so unique about being a professional athlete, obviously, is you can't do it forever. You know, I think that's why the the injuries have so much weight that they have, and yes. taking care of your body and things like that. How have you like thought about that, and like what have like the mental health sort of perspective of it been like knowing that like I can only do this for so long it's so weird like what if you were like hosting a podcast and you knew that like like you know in three to five years no one's gonna want to listen to this podcast anymore I I already know that like going into it you're like there's just no way dang it there's like a timeline on this it makes you feel like Like, I gotta do it now I'd be like all right then I'm just gonna stop like what am I even doing this for like no, for me, it's like I got to like jam it all in right now because then once it's over, it's over, you mm-hmm. know, and I can never get it back again. Yeah. And so there's like Does that, that scare you? Yeah, there's like definitely that added pressure of like if it doesn't happen now, then like it never will. Yeah. Whereas it's like the opposite for any other, you know, profession. Like you're just like, you know, you're in company and like you get older and you get a raise, you get a promotion, like, you're getting better with he's age. He's been with us for 50 <laughs> yeah. years at yeah. the company. It's like, yeah. And you get more knowledgeable about your field and more respect. And then, you know, it's like, no, it's like it's the opposite. It's crazy. And, like yeah, you have to sport. take advantage of this, like whatever, like 18 to 30 something window. Yes. Yeah. So the other thing that's really fun with triathlon actually is, well, first of all, I have other interests outside of running. And so that always has made me feel like, you know, when I get done running, I have options. Like I have lots of things that I want to do with my life. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I have skills. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of things that I could do that I think I would be really good at and that would make me happy. And so that helps a lot for sure to just like not feel so like I have, if I can't make this running thing work, I have nothing. Like that's a super unhealthy I think way to to train but also the triathlon thing has been really interesting for me because I didn't realize how I was already feeling like 2024 is going to be it for me like I know I'm not going to make it to 2028 in track like mm-hmm. it's just not my body is not going to happen mm-hmm. so I already was like this is my last Olympic cycle and I didn't make the team for the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo mm-hmm. I got injured um, that happened in 2021 so I was like, okay, this is my last chance to make a, you know, a second Olympic team. I already went once, but if I'm any legitimate athlete, I have to go twice. Mm-hmm. You know, silly things you tell yourself. Everyone goes once. It's <laughs> yeah. You have to go more than once to be legit. <laughs> Again, silly things. It's never things. enough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, so 2024, that's like it for me. That's my last chance. Mm-hmm. And it, when I found triathlon and I realized I could – potentially compete in triathlon after track and then have another chance at making a triathlon team. Triathletes usually trend like the average age trends a little older. Mm. Um, And so I could potentially make the team in 2028 for triathlon. And then I was like, 
I didn't even realize I'd been under that pressure until I realized that there was something else that was kind of like waiting for me right. after track. And then I was like, whoa, like that's weird. I was feeling a lot of pressure about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was kind of cool to be like a, to realize almost like to realize that the pressure was there, um, helps like you deal with it and like relieve it. Yeah. Um, like recognizing it and then being like, Oh yeah. Okay. And then like, why do I feel like like that? And then, you know, I actually, so this necklace that I'm wearing, I don't know if this is going to be fire. I was looking at it. (laughs) So I just got this for Christmas this year. Really weird. I went to the Olympics in 2016, and it is 2023. Who got but, it for you? You're so like, my parents. It's a little late, Mom. <laughs> no, it was they got it for me because I asked for it this year. My I never know what to tell my parents to get me for Christmas. Yeah. Um, and I was at like a an event with the USA Track and Field in December, and some a bunch of people. Um, it's either the tattoo. You either get the tattoo. Tattoo, of course. Or the necklace. Yeah. Those are your two tattoo options. Tattoo or the iced out up pendant. Yeah. <laughs> that is, those are your two <laughs> options to signify that you went to the Olympics. And I never, not a tattoo person. Yeah. And so I never got a tattoo. I thought about it and I just like never did it. And I never got a necklace. I never, I never really did anything. And I think I did that because in my mind I was like, it's because I, like didn't achieve all my goals. I have to go again mm-hmm. and I can't like celebrate it. Like I until... don't deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Oof. I, yeah. And then I realized that and I was like, fuck that. Like, yeah. That is stupid. Yeah. And so I told my mom, I was like, I think I want the necklace um, for Christmas this year. And she was like, <laughs> you know, she was like, what? <laughs> He's like, it's 2022. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's part of my healing process. Okay, <laughs> this is <getting> the necklace. <laughs> so now, now I wear the Olympic I love necklace. that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think I just, like, tell that story to be, like, it's so silly. The things that we, like, tell ourselves totally. about what we deserve or don't deserve. Really, it's so dumb. No, I but, think even, like, the, my... 16-year-old self or 18-year-old self, if I told him some of the things that I was doing now, it's like he'd be like, dude, like, that's enough. That's incredible. That's like, great. That's, that's yeah. unbelievable. And, like, Psyched. here I am. I'm just like, we, like, got to keep going. Like, haven't yeah. done shit yet. Like, yeah. all these things. And it's yeah. just, like, so silly. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, the story that I started out with was that my family was psyched that I made the Olympic trials, right? The trials, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. And then for some reason still making the games was, like, not, a, not enough. Yeah. Yeah. So is your, like, main sort of goal and like focus right now to to qualify for 24 yeah so i will still um have the goal of making the team in 24 in the steeplechase nice um so a lot of people are confused about that right now because they see all the training that i'm doing they they think that i'm not running track anymore but i'm like just wait like you'll see my grand plan (laughs) will play out um but yeah so right now i'm still focusing on track um and through 2024 and then i'll like make a transition to triathlon what's the schedule of like when the qualifiers and stuff are so we have um this year we have a uh, world championships in budapest hungary sick um which will be in i think it's like the first week of august i feel like traveling Um, is like such an underrated part of all this totally yeah totally you get to see the whole world yes yeah although i will say there's kind of like you see the hotel and you see the track and you know, like maybe vacation. So sometimes I try and like take an extra couple of days after I get done competing or something. But usually it's like, okay, now you gotta like get on. It's either on to the next meet or get back home, get back to training because you have two weeks until like your next thing. Mm-hmm. So you're usually like pretty um, regimented. But I do try and like soak in the, the yeah. travel component because I yeah I love love to travel. Yeah. But yeah, we have world champs this year. And then, um, so the team gets selected at our U S national championships, which will be, um, in July. It's like five weeks before mm-hmm. worlds usually. Um, and then we're really, I mean, right now we're like a year and a half out from Paris. And so the team gets selected for that about five weeks before the Olympics at the U S Olympic trials. So oh, it's literally only five weeks before it's like five or six weeks. Yeah. It's not that long. No. So, they, yeah, they really – they want to make sure they're, like, sending the best possible team at right, the like time. Right, like, up until the, like, as Because, like, as, as you've as seen yeah. with me, like, you could make the team She's a year ahead of time. Exactly. To, to and run, then you yeah. get injured. And then it's, like – I mean, I managed to do that even. In 2019, I made the team for Worlds. Mm-hmm. And then in the four weeks between Worlds and New and the like the u.s champs like the trials to get there i got injured right. and i wasn't able to compete at world oh my so, god yeah that's devastating <laughs> yeah. i figured out how to yeah. you know how to fool them yeah <laughs> um 
I guess now, I mean, it seems like you have such great like perspective and like lessons that you've learned from like, you know, not being a rookie in the game, I guess, anymore. True. Um, how do you like prioritize your own like mental health and self-care? I know you mentioned you have a fiance now that's completely outside of the running world. Like yeah. what are your sort of practices um, outside of your profession that sort of like keep you grounded? Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, um, dog is a big part of that too, that I didn't mention. We have a Bernese mountain dog. She's four. Her name is Pi. That's fire. She's the best. Great breed. Yeah. She's great. She's very popular in Venice when we walk, we we walk every morning. Like right now the sun's up at like six 50 ish. Um, and so we, we were always out there like six 30, six 45 to watch the sunrise on the beach, which is, I would say a very large part of my mental health routine. That's great. Um, with the dog and yeah, she loves it. It's chilly in Venice right now. So she's like, you know, with all her fur, she's like loving the, the chilly mornings. Yeah. Um, so we take a nice like 30, 40 minute walk in the morning. Um, that's a great part of my like routine. And then I just been, I think I've been really intentional in the last so I left, um, I left my training group and um, switched sponsors mm-hmm. at the beginning of 2021. It was like January of 2021. Um, and that was like a big, that was a, I made a ton of changes Just at that like point in my life. Shift, yeah, yeah I, I moved, I got a new coach and a new sponsor. Uh, I pretty much like changed my entire setup. Um, and it's taken me, I would say like a full like two years. So just like. To, like, figure all of that out, like, really taking responsibility for, like, okay, this is my life. How do I want to set myself up? Yeah. And not – I think I I let myself kind of blame the situation that I was in that, you know, oh, I can't make any decisions because my coach decides, like, where I live and where I altitude train and who I live with at altitude training, which can be a big source of, like, stress and how much I can end up – that really dictates how much I ended up seeing Kevin because mm-hmm. you know, we're long distance and, um, and, you know, we had gotten a dog, but Kevin had the dog. And so, um, there were so many things that I felt like I was out of control of in my of like life. Your own life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like crazy to think about being like, I mean, now I'm 30, I was like 28, I guess, or 27 and feeling like I was out of control of a lot of major, major right. things in my life. Full on adult. Like, Full like on it. adult. And like being treated like a 17 year old. Yeah. That was like pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. And so I think once I like realized that and like got out of it, then I was like, okay, and like, what do I want? So then we like, you know, got a house in Flagstaff so I could altitude train. Okay. Mm-hmm. And who do I want to like be my coach? Okay. This guy gives a shit about me as a person and knows me and like, really wants the best for me okay like that'll work and then you know it's like putting all the pieces together to like set myself up in a way that I could feel like that I wasn't like on razor's edge all the time like stressed out all the time it's almost like uh like the secret about it all is that it's like not about running exactly yeah a lot of I think a lot of the injuries that I had were not really related of course I was overtraining and not listening to my body and like making some mistakes in that regard. Yeah. But like the number of injuries, I would get injured like four or five times a year. And I was like, okay, like there's something else I would like here. And I think it was just like, I was just constantly under a level of stress that I didn't even really realize. Like I didn't, Yeah. You know, when you're in it, you know, there's like a lot of lessons there about like when you're in the middle of it, you don't even realize like you're blind yeah. until you get out. And then on the other side, I was like, holy crap, like that was crazy. Like, why did I stay there for that long? Yeah. Um, and, and then I couldn't imagine going like now going back to the situation where I live in Portland and Kevin lives in L.A. And, you know, I'm sharing a bedroom with someone in, you know, Park City, sleeping in a twin size bed next to one of my teammates for eight weeks in a row. Like, hell, <laughs> what the? I could never do that again. Like, yeah, how did crazy. I do? Yeah. I was 27 when yeah. I did that. It's like you're in like middle school. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't, like, when you're in it, you just don't have that perspective. Yeah. So I think a lot of like just taking ownership over my own life and like making decisions that um like I'm gonna do it this way. This is what I know works for me, even though that might not like work for so and so. Yeah. And you know, she might actually have more success than me. And so you might think that yeah. like I need to do what she does. But I just know that that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna do it this way. Amazing. Uh yeah. well I'll ask you two more questions that we end every episode with. Okay. 
the first one is if you could nominate someone to come on our show, whether you know them or not, uh, who's been very just, I guess, inspirational to you uh, in your mental health journey or a story that you've looked up to, who would it be? First name that comes into my head is Kate Courtney. Mm. Do you know her? No, she's I don't. a pro mountain biker. Wow. Um, she's a 2019 MTB world champion Sick. and a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and we've, I mean, we've shared so many, um, just like female athlete, you know, struggles together and trying, mm. you know, been on so many phone calls. She lives actually, um, uh, in NorCal. So we're not like, we don't get to see each other in person that much. Yeah. Um, but she had a, you know, a rough go of it in, in 2021 made the Olympics, but then like didn't have the, you know, day that she wanted. And mm. we've had conversations about like all this kind of deep stuff. Dealing um, with it, yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's an amazing also uh, just role model for young athletes and yeah. um, the way that she approaches her sport and her just like attitude about like full sending it. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Sick. Uh, so she'd be great. And lastly, uh, what makes you mad happy? It's probably that hard workout that you have on your schedule that you're just mm. like dreading because you know how brutal it's going to be. Um, but then you like and you show up to the track. I've done this so many times and you like <laughs> <laughs> you like draw out the the warm up, you know, and you like do a couple extra strides. Oh, my shoes untied. Like you're like trying like to delay like as delay long as you possibly delay can. Yeah. and it, it is horrible when you actually do it it is horrible just like you imagine but then afterwards like especially when you get to do it with other people if you're not you know my favorite is working out with other people and mm-hmm. not working out alone so you know you get through it together and everyone it's not easy for anyone like everyone's suffering together yeah. um but then afterwards it just feels so great that you did it and yeah. maybe it was faster than you thought it was going to be or it's faster than the last time you did that yeah um and you get to go out to brunch and like eat all the pancakes and you know like <laughs> relive great. it yeah. and stuff. so it's like the yeah the dichotomy of like oh i really don't want to do this it's gonna suck yeah. um but then you just like feel so good if you know, you were able to like be brave enough to try. Totally. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on and then sharing about your story. We'll yeah, definitely be, be rooting for you uh, this summer. And I encourage everyone to go watch a video of Steeplechase. Mm, yeah, you, you should know, YouTube it it's Steeplechase Fails. Steeplechase Fails, yeah. yeah it's really funny. <laughs> face planting in a puddle of water. Um, yeah. But yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Peace. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 98 with Colleen Quigley. Uh, Super close to 100. I can't believe it. Thanks again as always. Have a beautiful weekend. Uh, Don't forget to check out our collaboration collection coming out with Lululemon uh, early next week. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.